Well, what if that enemy is something that you're faced with every single day, that temptation that seems to be around every corner? So many people have a story where they have struggled with addiction, with alcohol specifically is what we're talking about in this case, but addiction in any form can consume your life. So whether it's your own personal story or whether it's someone that you know that you're close to, Share yours, 780-496-0063. You can remain anonymous on the text line if you choose. We're talking about this because we are celebrating a big milestone today in 630 Chad Mornings. Our show producer, Brad Whisker, is celebrating 365 days of sobriety today. And Brad, you're getting a lot of love from Chet Nation. Uh, someone's saying, I don't know this guy personally, but I'm proud of him. It's amazing that he's gotten this far. Good for him. And it is good for you, Brad, but yeah. I'm sure kind of a, a strange feeling that must feel, you know, kind of like a, a an overwhelm of a ton of emotions all at once. Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're like 21, you don't think one day that you're going to wake up and go, oh my God, I'm a year sober. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're you're just starting your adult life and you're you're having fun and of course you know when i was around that age it was just that it was to go out and have fun go to patios in the summer and and just enjoy that those casual drinks with friends it, it, you touch on something there that i think is something that we've we've just accepted as normal in our society and i don't know that we i think taking a step back and looking at it a little more carefully is important because Alcohol is so normalized. Like our whole oh, yeah. culture revolves around it. Like you're talking oh, yeah. about being 21 <laughs> and it, wh- what do you do? You get together with the boys and you've got beers and you sit on a patio and you have drinks or you're going to college. Well, partying is a rite of passage. Or you, like I think about being a new mom and the way that wine is marketed to women. And it's it's just, it's so normalized. How, how do you overcome something that it seems like you're kind of faced with and confronted with all the time? Yeah, and I mean, that's, I think that boils down to everybody having their own path when it comes to recovering. Like, there, there's not, it, it is overwhelming in the, in the sense of the culture of drinking that you talk about. So it is everywhere. But, you know, I went about it my way, and the person next to me will go about it a different way. Um, it's, it's all on, on you and how you want to do it. Don't think you have to do X, Y, and Z to recover. Like, there's not a set plan right you 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 have to just do what's right for you and you learn as you go don't think that you're going to start and just go okay i have this you know 10 step plan i need to accomplish this by this date and this by that date etc you have to truly take it one day at a time and just try to focus and get through it with methods that work for you and along that line if there are some people they do need that sort of regimented system fine absolutely whatever works for you whatever is going to get you from point a to point b and then c and then d and then e and then f i'm still curious you were talking about the fun stuff right and i think a lot of us can identify with that when when you're a youth so is there any way to try and identify when it went from i like it because it's fun to i need this you know I would say it's about a 10-year process from when it started to where we are today. Uh, In 2012, I was 24. I was in a serious relationship with a woman. We moved to Grand Prairie. So I was born and raised in Ottawa. I'm going from, you know, the big city to (laughs) the small city. The tallest building up there was like four stories high. So a big life adjustment there and, and really, you know, living on my own. I'm out of the house. I'm away from family. I'm away from the friends I grew up with. So... After a year, we broke up, and then I ended up moving to Red Deer, and I had some things happening there in terms of my personal life. I started dealing with anxiety, a little bit of depression, 
and I started having drinks in the evening. And this is where it, it really started to manifest itself, is having a few drinks in the evening, and then those are just, you know, a couple of beers. Uh, and then those couple of beers over time changes to, for me, let's say a Mickey a day. So about, you know, 13 shots and oh a day, which is, you know, that sound, it's a lot. It is. Yeah. Uh, but like, I mean, that's nothing compared to where I got. I mean, you if we go back to August 25th, um, uh, yeah, I was drinking excessively. Uh, we're talking anywhere from you know, a 26er to upwards of a 40 a day. So rad. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I mean, we're, it was so bad that, you know, if I woke up in the middle of the night, let's say it was one o'clock in the morning, I would drink to fall back asleep. If it, it, it was continuous, it was to live. The liquor store opened at 10. So the next morning I'm just waiting for 10 o'clock. That's the next goal get to 10 go get a bottle make sure i have enough for the the following day it's a continuous vicious ugly cycle and when you're at home and you have nobody with you and nobody can see what you're doing and with the pandemic you know having to stay home or at least feeling like you had to stay home that's how bad it got i would consider myself as about of an extreme alcoholic as you can become so when you're talking about that situation, you're waking up in the middle of the night drinking to fall back asleep. Obviously, like in your own mind, you know, you know it's out of hand. You know that it's a problem. But does it then just kind of become this cycle where then you wake up and you're mad at yourself and then the guilt drives you to drink more and it's just sort of like this endless loop? Like did you think you were ever going to get out of that mindset? Yeah, well that's the thing. I mean, when you're when you're that drunk, your your mood changes. I, I mean, dozens and dozens of times throughout the day it can just turn on a dime but it never got ugly and angry but it was sort of it was sadness and that Mm -hmm. that guilt and just knowing how ugly and uh, really disgusting my life was on a day-to-day basis but I had no motivation nothing had happened to me yet where I thought I can't live like this anymore so I needed that that moment that happened a year ago or I honestly think I would have kept going because if that if that moment is the big reason why I went, if the, if you take that out of the equation, I don't know what I'm doing right now. Hmm. Uh, I'm curious how how do you hide that? Like how do you how do you you know we we <laughs> right to, because if you are a right. forty pounder in a day, mm. uh, you'd never be sober. How did you how do you not get caught? How do you not have something show up on the radar for people? You you get good at it. I'm not trying to sound smart. I'm not trying to sound cool, so to, so to say. We've heard this. People find coping ways to hide it all the time. You just figure it out. Uh, you become so convinced and so assuring, uh, so re- you reassure yourself that you're okay and that nobody is noticing. And if nobody says anything to you, then just keep going. And again, being at home with no eyes, it's it really isn't that, that hard. Um, but, you know, it's there's these little things that happen or at least happened to me where I would try to put a bottle in another room just so I would have to walk and go get it right like not put it beside me but that wouldn't do anything so (laughs) you you think you're 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 kind of fooling yourself or you're trying to fool yourself by like saying oh well the booze is in the other room it's not that bad today well when you're getting up off your couch every 10 minutes to go Mm -hmm. to go have a drink (laughs) it's not exactly the most effective method and maybe you're hiding the the really 
dark details of what's going on, but people people see that there's something. So you do I just so I, if you know if you're listening to this and you're in a situation where you are really in the thick of it and you're you're doing things like that and you're putting a bottle far away from you so that it's trying to diminish your urge to drink it and you're really struggling, you know, it it's not a, it's not as conspicuous as you might think. No, <laughs> it's it's not. Uh, I mean, I, I I'm just thankful of that I managed to get through it. You know, that's I, I'm trying. That's what I'm trying to to look at now. And you know, I'm still here. I'm still working with you guys. Um, I'm I, I still have a, a roof over my head. I still have a uh, I still have a car. <laughs> you know, it's when you come out of it and you start thinking about those things. I mean, I could have done some horrible things with how much I was drinking yeah. and it's not I'm not I'm not proud I'm not trying to show off like I drank so much and didn't do anything no, stupid just, that's not the point it, I'm just I'm so thankful because something so bad could have happened to someone or myself and I you hear you hear stories about people who make mistakes and um, I'm just I'm so happy that uh, I didn't inflict that kind of pain yeah. on on anyone it's important on a, on a one-year anniversary like this to, to look back at the year, be proud of the accomplishment, recognize what the challenges were, how you overcame them, because that can be lessons learned for the next little while down the road. But we got a message in on the text line because, again, it's, it, it's you know, you get to the anniversary, that's a mark. Like you said, now the two, three, et cetera. But uh, he says, congrats, Brad. The, my brother has fallen five times and his falls, as in falling off the wagon. Falls all occurred because he thought he had conquered it. Is as you get to this, you can celebrate, you can be proud, you can look forward with optimism, but this never goes away, does it? Like the, it, it, it's it. Be, maybe the battle gets more comfortable, maybe yeah. a little easier. I don't even want to use those words, but it doesn't go away. It doesn't go away. You, I'm, <laughs> you're, you know, people always have a hard time referring to to people you know, to alcoholics or addicts and you're always an addict. Once you're an addict, you're an addict. Like you, you have to remind yourself that if you have a sip or if you, if you're in, if you're doing drugs or whatever it is, um, that next taste, whatever it may be, uh, it can change your life on a dime. I, I know for a fact that if somebody walked in here and, and forced, you know, a shot of whiskey down my throat, that I wouldn't be able to function the rest of the day unless I kept, like, I would need to go get some, mm -hmm. I would need to go right away. So don't ever think that it's just over. It, it, this is going to be something that lives with you until you go. Until you go. And I think that's a good, um, it, it's a good thing to recognize and to remember that it doesn't, it doesn't discriminate and it's a disease. It's a mental obsession. One, one texter says that this is a mental obsession and they go on to explain their own sobriety. They say, great work, Brad. So congratulations, one day at a time. That's all we can do. They say, I'm just over four years of sobriety and I'm a police officer and addiction has no boundaries. No, it doesn't. Um, and I, you know, I know we're, we're getting close to the end of the, the segment here. So hey, we watch the clock. You just do the talking, producer. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I just want to say to people, you know, keep your people close if you're, you know, going through something. And often it's said, you know, just tell somebody, just talk to somebody. And it sounds, sounds so easy, but it is so overwhelming. It feels, you, you feel the guilt. You feel like you've done something bad. You feel like you've upset people. And maybe you have, but your mom, your dad, your family, your significant other, whoever it may be, like they're there for you mm -hmm. and they will listen. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for me, like I, I did find someone. Um, 
that's just been a fantastic partner. And those people are going to help you. Don't push them away. Accept them for who they are, and they will help you. And I just, I can't remind people enough that, you know, the people that you love and that you call your best friends, that's what they're there for. And uh, I'm lucky to have, you know, the network I have, and that's including you guys here. Uh, every one of you, I couldn't have done this, you know, the right way and, and had you guys in my corner, especially when I came back to work. Um, it's been a hell of a year, and thank you so much for this opportunity and to anybody going through this. Just try and talk to somebody. It may not be today, tomorrow. It may take a month or whatever it is, but do it and just try to find the help because you'll feel so much better. Brad, you are helping people with your story, and this day is all about celebrating you, and we are so proud to see your absolute transformation. So nothing but huge congratulations and lots of love to you. You can keep sending in your stories, Chet Nation, because you're getting all kinds of congratulations on a lot of people coming from very similar places, Brad, saying this really helps. Uh, I've gone through something really similar. So you're you're not alone in this, and this story absolutely helps. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, guys. Let's take a break. Back in a moment. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.